0: love movies. How many of you guys love movies? Yeah? I have a movie for when I'm feeling down. I have a movie for when I need a good cry. I have a movie when I need to get motivated. I, I watch this one movie. And One of my favorite movies um, is Miracle. Have you ever watched this movie? Uh, the movie is about the 1980 U.S a hockey team Um, that went to the Olympics and they played the then Soviet Union that was full of professional players and the US team was full of a bunch of college students. Um, It's one of my favorite movies because of a speech that happens in that movie. Um, The coach, Herb, he says this, great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what we have here today, boys. That's what we've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them 10 times, they'd win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight we skate with them. I'm like ready to go play hockey right now, right? Like, I just like, yes, 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 all right? And uh, one of my favorite things about that is because he not only is encouraging his team, but he's challenging them um, also in that speech. Today, we continue our series, Here As It Is in Heaven. We've been taking a look at what it looks like for us that, that God has affected our lives. He's loved us so much. What would that mean if we loved our community? Today, we are taking a look at Zechariah, a prophet who's going to give us encouragement and a challenge. Let's review. This series is all about Jesus changing our lives so much that we would live in a way that transforms the community we find ourselves in. That's why the graphic that we have is a map. It's a five-mile radius around this church. And we're asking a question, what would it look like if we lived here as it is in heaven? Today, we dive into the book of Zechariah, a book of the Bible we don't often look at and yet it's quoted 71 times in the New Testament, 27 times in the Gospels. Though we don't often study this book of the Bible, we encounter it often in the New Testament. For example, the prophecy of Jesus riding on a donkey that had never been ridden on before was prophesied by Zechariah in chapter nine. But if you're like me and you don't venture into Zechariah often, let me Bible nerd out real fast and give us some context because we can't read a passage without understanding the context. First off, Zechariah is a prophet. It wasn't a popular job. Little girls and little boys did not grow up thinking, I want to be a prophet because with being a prophet meant that you were probably disliked. You might be imprisoned. You might even be killed for telling the people of God what God has to say to them. Because God's word sometimes is uncomfortable. Prophets like Jeremiah were put into cisterns. Ezekiel had to lay on his side for over a year just so God could prove a point. And yet, we find Zechariah stepping into this role that God had called him to. While we do see in the Bible other prophets and their calling stories, we know very clearly that Zechariah was called by God, and he was a mouthpiece to God's people. Zechariah was a prophet during a time of rebuilding that was happening in Jerusalem, the king of Persia, his name was Cyrus. He had allowed the people of God who had been exiled to return to their land, rebuild their temple, rebuild their homes, and rebuild their city. Zechariah does a little bit of forth telling. Like I said, he predicted, um, he was talking about Jesus, and he also does some um, things that are talked about in Revelation, right? End time stuff. But he does a lot of forth telling telling the people of Judah what the Lord wants them to hear. The book of Zechariah begins with eight visions. Zechariah is guided by the angel of the Lord. Each vision is ended specifically with what he is to tell the people of God. You see, the nation of Judah had returned to Jerusalem, and yet they were struggling While their sole purpose was to rebuild their city, there was opposition. There were people who knew that if the temple was built, that the people would be strong, that that nation would return, and they were afraid. And so they began to oppose the people of Judah, and then they became discouraged. Opposition from others that knew if that Jewish state returned, it would, they would be in trouble. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're doing the right thing and it's just, ugh, it's been so long, it's been so exhausting? Or you're starting to feel discouraged because no one's noticed what you've done. Or people have noticed and they've excluded you for it. Whatever the reason is, I pray this morning that you would find encouragement. As we eavesdrop on Zechariah, sharing with God's people, Zechariah also had a counterpart, Haggai. He wrote to rebuke the people of Judah too, but he also wrote to encourage them. Their goal wasn't just to have a rebuilt temple. Their goal was spiritual revival. And in the essence of Zechariah's Message We see this in the first chapter, in the second verse. He says there, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord. With that in mind, let's take a look at Zechariah 8, 1 through 8. We're going to be taking our um, passages in pieces, so we'll start with the first passage. And it says this. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. For this is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with a cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may be marvelous to the remnant of this people at the time, but is it, does it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord, And this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will save my people from the countries of the East and the West, and I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. In the chapter before, we see Zechariah taking out, talking about God's wrath, and yet we see a change of tone in this chapter. He now speaks so longingly to the people of God. If we put it in nowadays language, he would probably say, God would probably say, I've missed you. You've been so far away. I don't want to spend another day away from you. If you've ever been in a long distance friendship or relationship, you could probably relate to this. The idea that you love the person so much and yet you hate that they are so far away. And that you're actually jealous of the people who get to see them every single day. And your heart aches when you talk to them because you can't physically be next to them. God desires to be near his people. He wants us to not only, not only to be near to us, but to restore us to the status of what we were before. For the people of Israel that was to restore them to the strong nation that they were. That they would no longer be a war-torn country full of rubble, but they would be a place and a people that all nations would come to and be drawn to. But more than that, their new status in the world would reflect on their God and that the people around them would say, their God restored them. I want to worship that God. And then he talks about what the place would be like People of ripe age with canes would be there and children would be playing in the streets. I love that he includes that the promise is for all and yet God specifically speaks to two demographics that can be especially in danger when war comes to a country. The young and those of ripe age. The Lord will save his people. He will bring peace and he will bring safety and strength. And with that, Encouragement that they would rebuild their country, but it would be a place for peace for the most vulnerable. We find in this final verses in our passage that God is using covenantal theology. While this passage is describing the covenant between God and his nation Israel. We can eavesdrop in this moment knowing that God has also made a covenant with us, his church. This covenant is one-sided. God is faithful to us. And thank God that's true. (laughs) Because if it was up to us, we we would definitely not fulfill our end of the bargain. And yet, it is our God who is faithful to us. God knew that like the people of Israel, we can easily become disoriented and grumble and ungrateful, and yet he is standing there with wide open arms waiting for us to turn to him that we would be near him. So if you feel far away from God today, would you be encouraged that our God desires for you to be near him. That the creator of the universe not only knows about you, but wants to be close to you, and wants to be near you. If that's one thing you take away from today's sermon, I hope that sinks in really deeply. That you are truly so loved by God. And yet, we can't stop here. Zachariah Zechariah does not stop here. We have to head into our challenge, right? Because we are not brought near to God for nothing. We are his people that are called for a purpose. So let's explore that purpose together. So Zechariah 8, verses 20 now. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many people and the inhabitants of the cities will come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another city and and say, let us go at once and entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all nations, all languages and nations, will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of the robe and say, let us go with you because you, we have heard that God is with you. I love that. We have heard that God is with you. Zechariah tells us that our faith should stand out so much that the people around us will want to hear about this God, that they would say, what is different about you? We see again the reflection of the kingdom of heaven. Peoples of all nations, all languages, all coming together. And we see specifically that we get to be a part of that. While this again is not specifically for us, we too can claim the promise as God's church. This is the goal. Not that people would be grabbing our coats, because that's a little weird, but the idea that they would say, God is truly with those people. Those people that go to Good Shepherd, I see God in them. And that's a question I've been wrestling with as I was looking at this passage. What could it mean for us as a community to say to the people around us through our lives, that God is with us. We've talked about living on mission during this series to go, and while we're going, to notice those around us who are in need. What would it look like to take the challenge that Jesus gave his disciples and us in the passage that Joy read? To be a light in the dark world. You can't hide a light in darkness like a moth that is drawn to the light, so are the people around us, drawn to the hope that we have. Our purpose as God's people is to be a light in this world. That means you and I are going to stick out in a world that's full of darkness. I was at a Bible study a few weeks ago with a bunch of 20s and 30-year-olds, and we were talking about what it's like to work in an environment um, and their work environment. And it was really interesting for me, who works with all Christians, um, and I'm so blessed to do that, but hearing their stories, about what it was like for them to work in a world that many of you work in. And then one of the guys in the group, he was talking about how, he called it the halo effect, but I'm sure that's not the real term. Because Dave used that word last week, and I was like, "Eh, I don't think it's the same definition. But he called it, the halo effect, and he said he can tell when someone in his workplace is a Christian. They don't even have to tell him. He can see, by the way, the act and their behaviors and the choices they make that they're Christians. It made me think, would others say that about us? A few weeks not a few weeks, a few years ago, I went on a youth pastor conference. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do, is to go to, to conferences that we just talk about youth ministry. We play games on stage. It is a blast, youth pastor conferences. And it was in downtown Cincinnati. So every lunch, we would all head out to get uh, lunch. And... I would be walking the streets of Cincinnati, and it was so easy to pick out the youth pastors. Um, If you've ever been to a, like, pastor's conference, uh, you know it's because of the polos. It might be because of the name tags they keep wearing everywhere. But it also is the backpacks, right? It's so easy to pick out who these people were. And I wondered to myself, I wondered if those people that worked in all of the restaurants in that area, if after that week they said to each other, those are the kindest people we have ever met. I pray that was true. I pray that uh, that all those youth pastors were sharing the light of Christ with those who they were coming into contact with. But let's get a little bit closer. This summer, our youth uh and I got to go down to Precious Lamb Preschool and serve the kiddos there. If you don't know what Precious Lamb Preschool is, it's an organization that seeks to first uh, the first stop for children who are on their way uh, for education and breaking the cycle of homelessness and poverty in their families through um, having free preschool for children living in shelters and rehab centers. And we got to go down twice this summer to just be with the kids. And each of the youth and I, we all had like one or two kids who like just stuck to us. And I was talking with the kids as we were driving back to get Chick-fil-A, because that's what we do. We, we serve and we get Chick-fil-A. Um, and I was talking about how amazing it is that we get to love on these kids. We don't know what their home lives look like. We can kind of imagine what we might think it looks like. But I pray that through the teachers and through those short interactions we had with those kids, that they would know how loved they are by God. Let's get a little bit closer. Just last week, we had 215 kids who came to VBS that now know they have a place in this church. And there were over 50 youth leaders who assumed their role in the kingdom of heaven and helpers that ranged from 10 years old to 90s, in their 90s. And each of you who got to serve got to shine your light. You got to bring hope to those kids. And I pray that it wouldn't just be a once-a-year thing for us. You see, Good Shepherd, I, would, I think you would all agree, is we, we love families, and we love to be a safe place for children and youth to explore their faith. And you know what that means? It means we need leaders who are willing to spend a few hours a week investing in our youth and our kids. Most people can look back on their faith journey and talk about a person who cared for them, who spent time with them, who had no agenda, who just loved them. What could this mean for us to be a light to our community and beyond? And maybe they won't know our name, but they will know a God loves them. I grew up in a world where there wasn't many female role models in the church. Our youth group had very little leaders to begin with. And the one that comes to mind when I think of someone who cared so deeply was our youth elder. He had young children. And when our youth pastor left, he led youth group for a whole year on top of his full-time job. It was so amazing to see him investing in us, and I felt so seen in that moment. When God called me to go into ministry, I was chatting with a close friend of mine, and she said something I will never forget. She said if there were more female leaders, if there had been one female leader who had cared for us in youth group, she might have stuck around church. And that touched my soul when she said that. My hope is that in doing youth ministry and being a part of this church, that we are affecting youth's lives. I hope that God would catch, he would use us for these kids to catch a glimpse of his love. But it, can also, it would also hurt my heart when I heard that knowing that her and I had never been given an example of what it looked like to be an adult, it looked like for an adult to care for a child. You might just be one person, and maybe you think kids aren't your thing, but I give these examples because they're from my life. These are the things I experienced. Trust me, God can use you. You could change the trajectories of a kid's life, a youth's life, a young adult's life, an adult of ripe age, you can simply shine your light in their life. What would it look like for each one of us to shine our light and to love someone so well this week? So that's your assignment. I'm going to give us some time to connect with God before I pray and close today. But ask God, who is that one person, just one person, that he wants you to lavish love upon this week? Maybe it's grabbing a latte for them, flowers, sitting down with them for a meal, going to a baseball game with them. Or maybe it's just genuinely being kind to someone you have never met. I want us all to show God's love to our community. And imagine if each one of us did that this week. How many people we could reach. Jesus said this to us. He said, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. God, whoever that name was that you brought to our mind, would you you help us to not forget it this week? God, you have lavished your love upon us. We are undeserving of how much you love us, and yet you keep going. You just keep dumping that love on us, and you keep blessing us. We are so grateful for that, and God, that inspires us and that gives us the purpose of sharing that hope with others. God, our world is broken. We don't have to go very far to realize that. And so I ask God that you would use us. We know you don't need us because you could do it all by yourself, but you want to use us, these broken humans to share your light with the world. God, would we be a church that is known for our love for others? That others would want to grab the hem of our coat because we, they know that God is with us. We know this is your desire for us. So God, would you use us this week to share with our community how much they are loved by you. I pray this all in Jesus' name.